Hi. Welcome. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Does your dog want in? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah? Is your yeah. dog barking to get in? No, he's just barking because there's people or wind or <laughs> a flower. <laughs> a leaf <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> good. Okay. Your dog is as crazy as mine. That's neat. Tater barked yeah. at a feather for like five minutes the other day. Um, yeah. There's probably another dog that exists somewhere else. <laughs> I mean, my three. Maybe he hears my three out in the fucking yard. Who knows? He's like, no. Unacceptable. Unacceptable. This is not just me. Um, Hi, guys. Welcome to History of a Hot Day. That is Laura Ackerman. And that's Carrie Hopper. I was like, did you fucking forget my name? I'm like, I didn't know that we were doing that. All right. (laughs) Stay on your toes. Keep you on your toes. Keep you on your toes. Um, Yes. Hi, guys. Welcome to History of Haunting. This is a really um, cool episode. We're really excited about this one. And um, so we're just going to get right into it. Uh, Starting with our EVPs. You know, endless vocal prattling that we do at the beginning of every episode, which is essentially updates and announcements. And uh, Laura, why don't you tell them what the announcement is, not... Like, they don't know what the announcement is. <laughs> so, same as it ever was, we are going to Parasycon at the Ohio State Reformatory. And if you're listening to this when it drops, it is exactly one week away. We will be there May 20th uh, through the 21st. And that is in Mansfield, Ohio. So, come on down or up or from over east or west, from wherever you are. <laughs> Come on down or up or over. <laughs> Listen, um, yeah, you guys, this is going to be so much fun. Laura and I have um, been preparing and talking and planning for this for almost a year because I think it was a year after the last one ended, maybe 10 months that they opened up the vendor slots for this year's. So long time, long time. Yeah, preparing for it. Coming. Long time coming. Um, so we want to thank everybody who uh, ordered uh, merch in the pre-sale that we did in the fall and um, at the beginning of this year. Thanks to you guys and the proceeds that we got from the merch sale, we were actually able to um, have a booth worth visiting. Otherwise, it was just going to be us being <laughs> like, hey, we've got a podcast. You want to check us out? Um which so, is yeah. totally fine, Carrie. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> they do, goddammit. I mean, we're funny, I swear. Um, yeah, so it allowed us to be able to um, have our pint glasses and our coffee mugs and our tons of stickers and like our koozies in our bags which we've had so we've got a lot of stuff um our wares to pedal if you will um at our booth and um we've got um laura's brilliant idea of creating a special episode of history of a haunting called ghost tales from the road where you guys come and tell us your creepiest personal paranormal story um And we will share those stories. We'll record you uh, on camera and and include that in the episode. It'll be kind of a montage, if you will. And um, everybody who does will be entered into a drawing to win the complete set of Andrea Perrin's House of Darkness, House of Light, her full three-volume set. You can win that, um, and she will personally autograph it to the winner. So... Come on down and see us. We are so excited for it. And um, so in the spirit of that, 
Laura. Not like they can't read the title of the show when they clicked play. But tell everybody what what we're doing today. (laughs) So we are going to revisit the Ohio State Reformatory. Uh, That's also known as the Mansfield Reformatory. Where we will be live in person. If you didn't already catch that next week. (laughs) (laughs) If I'm catatonic by then, please, please just give me a wide berth because this has really been a lot. Um, All right, babe, what are your sources? (laughs) Right, so mine are Wikipedia, Ancestral Findings, Ohio Exploration, and Ohio Traveler. Those are all dot coms. All right. Awesome. Um, yeah, we're excited about this one. We're going to revisit it. Ever just kind of refresh our memory, your memory, everybody's memory. We did cover this in episode 11, way back when the podcast was a brand new baby. So um, we wanted to revisit it, uh, like I said, in anticipation of um, our big con debut next week. <laughs> our big visit. And I wasn't there for the first episode, so now I get to- Now we get her, her piss and vinegar attitude about it sass i'm kidding also bear with her her wrist is hurting today it does hurt (laughs) (laughs) it really does it's (laughs) annoying all right so let's do it um as i said uh this is the ohio state former reformatory that's gonna be a hard word all day words are hard Uh, also known as the mansfield reformatory um and that is the historic prison that is located in mansfield ohio Uh, More than two decades before the reformatory was built, the site was host to a Civil War training camp. Did you know that? I actually don't know as I did know that. Yeah, so starting in 1861, soldiers, um, they went there to drill in preparation for the war. So back then it was called Camp Mordecai Bartley. (laughs) The name came from a Mansfield man who had been Ohio's governor during the 1840s. Oh, okay. All right. So that camp continued to host soldiers in training up until 1867 when the site was put up for consideration as a new penitentiary. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Although watch, watch listeners be like, actually, Carrie, you did know that. Archie mentioned it. <laughs> <laughs> be like, I, I don't like, know. What? I don't remember. Listen, guys, I don't remember everything we said since episode one. I barely remember everything Laura and I said episode. an hour ago. So <laughs> uh, if I say I don't remember it, it's legit and it is no slight on um, Archie, myself, or the early days of the podcast. <laughs> it's been a minute. Yes. Okay. Um, so... The new penitentiary was built between 1886 and 1910 and remained in operation until 1990. Jesus. Yeah, a long time, huh? Uh, When a United States federal court ruling, which was called the Boyd Consent Decree, ordered the facility to be closed. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. The way you delivered that, ordered the facility to be closed. I was like, wow, all right. Well, that's kind of a big deal, right? Um, For sure. Okay. So while the while this facility was seen in a number of films, um, including several while it was actually still in operation. Oh, um, really? Yeah, it's been in TV shows and music videos. There's a Godsmack video that is filmed, I think, in front of one of the walls. That I did um, know. That I did know. Yeah. yeah. So, But it was made famous by the film Shawshank Redemption. Uh, and it was used for, this, um, for a lot of the scenes of the movie. Which... Is pretty awesome. If you've seen the movie, you know how impressive the structure is. I mean, seriously. Also, we have a sticker in honor of it. 
Can you see Yay. it? Yay. Look, he's in Red's cap. <laughs> Very cute. <laughs> Three dollars at the convention. So <laughs> always just trying to sell you some shit. All right. So um, architect Levi Schofield designed the prison to resemble the old world castles in Germany. Uh, the prison was supposed to be an intermediate prison um, somewhere between the boys industrial school in Lancaster and the Ohio Penn in Columbus. Um, it was to be used for first time offenders and not hardened criminals. It's awfully imposing for first time offender. <laughs> Maybe they just want scared straight kind of situation or what? I guess so. Yeah, it was supposed to be kind of just like, you know, not a terrible place to go, but you know, not as hard as the pen, but really to reform people. Hopefully. Okay. Okay. As oh, so reformatory. Okay, I get it. Mm, hey. Ding ding oh. ding. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> so the first 150 men were transferred to the reformatory on September 17th, 1896. Uh, the prison was still not completed at that time. Um, so those first inmates, they helped construct the prison's sewer system, yeah. also featured in Shawshank Redemption, spoiler, um, and, built, <laughs> and built the 25-foot tall wall uh, that surrounded the entire 15-acre complex. Oh, God. Yeah. Just I the just pers- can't imagine what it looks like in person. I just... The more you yeah. describe it, I'm like, oh my god! I know I kind of want to rewatch the movie just so I can. I think we should remember. Um, so the prison was considered to be one of the best in the country at the time it was built, uh, but by 1933, the prison had become overcrowded and the living conditions had deteriorated, hmm. as we tend to say every time we cover a prison. <laughs> <laughs> you so guys cells- know how it goes. <laughs> All the good intentions. Uh, so the cells that were intended for one person, they bunked two, sometimes three inmates. Ew. So a lawsuit was filed in 1978 against the prison on behalf of the 2,200 inmates incarcerated there. After being tossed around in the court system for years, it was determined um, that the Ohio State Reformatory was unfit to serve as a prison. And it was officially closed as a correctional institution in 1990. Wow. 1990 seems like it wasn't that long ago, but according to my mother, it was long ago. (laughs) She loves to make me feel old. Some years ago. Look, you didn't need to say the number, Laura. Okay. (laughs) So even though the reformatory was an intermediate prison, it had its fair share of death and violence. Two corrections officers um, were killed in the line of duty on prison grounds. On November 2nd, 1926, a paroled inmate that had been returned to the prison, um, they shot 72-year-old prison guard Urban Wilford in an unsuccessful escape attempt. The murderer, Philip Orlick, was arrested two months later and was executed in the Ohio Penn electric chair a year later. Is that old Sparky? The one in Ohio Penn, the one in Columbus. Oh no, I thought I thought Ohio State Reformatory had old, old Sparky. I thought. Mm-hmm. Although there's a lot, we've covered a lot of prisons, like you said, and I think yeah, this is a lot of them had an old an electric chair here. Oh really? I think it was in. I think they got shipped to Columbus for. Mm. for that. Oh okay, yeah, we, we 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 have covered a lot of prisons. I'm probably confusing so my <laughs> I'm just confusing my prisons. <laughs> 
Um, a 48-year-old prison guard named Frank Hanger was beaten to death with an iron bar during an escape attempt by 12 prisoners on October 2nd, 1932. Jesus. Two of the yeah, two of the inmates, Merrill Chandler and Chester uh, Proboski, were found guilty of the guard's murder, and both were executed in the electric chair in 1935. Fucking a man. I know. Some fucked up shit going on. For sure. Yeah. So, um, on July 21st, 1948, um, that was a dark day in the reformatory's history. Um, two former inmates, John West and Robert Daniels, kidnapped the, pr- the prison farm's superintendent, his wife, and their 20-year-old daughter from their home on the honor farm. Oh, God, that's right. So, the pair then murdered the entire family in a cornfield off Fleming Falls Road. West and Daniels, known as the Mad Dogs, went on a two-week crime spree leaving six people dead they were later yeah they were later found near van wert where a shootout resulted in their death um or in the death of west and daniel's capture daniel's was also later executed in the electric chair man (laughs) a lot of electric chair death yeah um so in november 1950 the warden's wife was reaching into a closet looking for her jewelry box so when she removed the box, her hidden pistol fell to the ground, discharged, and fatally wounded her. Oh, yeah. Is that Helen? Uh, uh, I don't think I have her name. I think her name is Helen. I can't remember. There are but, two Helens in this story, and I believe the warden's wife is a Helen as well. Is, the, is a Helen? Yeah. She's a Helen. All right. <laughs> she, she's a Helen with the felons. Oh, that was stupid. Forget I said that. <laughs> Carrie, edit that. Carrie, edit that out. <laughs> That's trash, not treasure. Uh, the warden died from a heart attack um, while in his office a few years later in the area known as the hole or solitary confinement. Um, oh, I'm sorry. It, he didn't die in the hole, but there's also I was the like, hole. wait. Oh, I was like, his <laughs> office was in the hole? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, he died in his office. And then there's the solitary confinement or the hole. Um where two men were once placed into the same cell, but only one emerged alive. The other had been killed and stuffed under the bunk. <laughs> yeah, not what? Fun. Tell me they found him immediately. Don't. Is this going to be like, he wasn't found for five days? It doesn't say, but it doesn't oh, sound good. It, well, I mean, <laughs> either, I mean way. either way. Does, you're right. <laughs> doesn't really matter when, does it? Mm-mm. No, it doesn't. Um, also, a man hung himself in the hole and another set himself on fire. That um, I did hear. I did hear. Yeah. That was on uh, Destination Fair. Mm. Uh, many other prisoners died um, behind, the, behind the large stone walls, some from disease and others from violence and some by their own hand. Uh, Mm. The prison cemetery, which is just beyond where the walls stood, um, contains over 200 prisoners who perished while incarcerated. Woof. Yeah. Although, what was it at its peak, 2,200, 2,500? Yeah. And given how many people went through there when it opened to when it closed in 90, I mean, I guess that's small numbers (laughs) given like... Well, it was supposed to be pretty, like, mellow. That's the thing, you know. Right, yeah. I mean, and eventually, like, some of the worst of the worst were sent there. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. All right. The reformatory remained um, in full operation until the 90s, like I said, until the... Did I... Okay, so there was that federal court order that came down 
But what I think is so interesting about it is it was a prisoner's class action lawsuit. Oh. Yeah, so they actually sued because it was so fucking terrible, the conditions, um, because of the overcrowding and inhumane conditions. Right. And they won. They won. Kind of, they won. That is, is amazing. That tells you how fucking terrible it has to be, right? <laughs> what, <laughs> what year was the lawsuit? In the in 1990. Wow. Well, it okay. started, I think, in the 70s or 80s, and then um, it took a while for Fuck. it to finally get overturned. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So um, this is a quote from uh, Cheryl Nerman. She was an Ohio State Reformatory historian and volunteer. Cool. Uh, she said, if you think the conditions look inhumane today, like if you see what it looks like, um, it was much more brutal for those who had to live there during the last decade of operation. Um. There were rats and cockroaches, and men wore hairnets just so the roaches didn't crawl into their ears while they slept. You could have left that out. <laughs> but I couldn't. <laughs> I really couldn't. <laughs> Are we going to have fucking nightmares? <laughs> I hate you. Yeah, but that's how... Yeah, so it was filed in 78, and then... Um, wow. 90, yeah. it was settled? It was no, it was settled in '83, and it finally closed in '90. Oh, um, yeah, because it it was t- technically they said it violated their constitutional rights, and some improvements were made, um, you know, before the last prisoner was relocated and the place finally closed, um, mm. and it was supposed to be demolished. Oh God, yeah, but um, they used it obviously for the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, I think um, was did that kind of save its life having that movie filmed there? Between that and the historic um, society that stepped in and wanted to preserve it, oh, okay. um, so kind of the same thing that we see with a lot of our older buildings, right? Outside people come in and say, "Hey, hey, hey, it's worth saving." Yeah, for sure, um, especially back here. Yeah, especially back here. Yeah. Um, however, the state did demolish all of the outbuildings and the prison wall. Hmm. Yeah, because it's on valuable property, the state of Ohio wanted to use the land to expand the new Mansfield Correctional Institute, which is located just beyond the old reformatory. Luckily, the land was turned over to a preservation group in 1985, um, and that preservation group now controls the old prison. That's so good. the OSR's six-tier freestanding cell block, um, it holds the record for the largest freestanding cell block in the world. The Guinness record, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy, right? So crazy, and to to see it, I really should have added pictures for this, guys, for YouTube. I'm super sorry, but um, it, it it's it's nuts. Just like as you're talking and describing it, I'm like, we are gonna see this in person, and I can't even deal with what I might like reaction I might. Have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and currently there are tours available, um, and they do do a haunted. Um, attraction every Halloween season. So you yeah. can do the ghost tours. You can take a store tours. Um, you can come see Carrie and I in a week. So it's all there for you. It is all and there for you. The history of the Ohio State Reformatory. That is so good, babe. Good, 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 good job. I'm excited. Um, so after you did your research on it, uh, were you more excited or less excited to go there next week? Kind of the same, I think, um, just because we've done so many prisons, I kind of know 
what I'm getting myself into. Yeah. Um, but since that's the one that's on Shawshank and it's just so superimposing and has really cool like gothic architecture, you oh, know, God. like I yeah. said, they wanted it to look like the castles in Germany and stuff. So yeah, um, well, kind of a mix is not totally gothic, but uh, it looks really cool. I think yeah, it'll be interesting to see what it's like uh, to see it in real scale, right? So yes, when you see it even on screen, you can tell it's fairly imposing but it's all they're always so much bigger when you go like trans allegheny you know it's huge oh you yeah up, you're like oh jesus christ <laughs> right how small you actually fucking are right. yes yeah for sure um eastern state penitentiary was like that so it's like on the like on a corner city block and when coy and i drove up he was like is that it because all it is is just these freaking i don't even know how tall the walls are maybe 25 to 40 foot tall walls mm-hmm that look like walls around a German Gothic castle. And it, it, it's, there's just something that's so stunning about seeing these kinds of places like trans Allegheny, because it's all very well and good to watch documentaries on them and see them on TV and read books about them and that kind of thing. But when you actually drive up to these locations, then they're real, then they're tangible, then they, everything you've heard about them and their grandeur and how large they are and how imposing they are, it becomes real to you as you're standing there going, holy crap. So I, I can't wait. I absolutely cannot wait. I think maybe we should film our reaction when we pull in. <laughs> we should definitely film yours. <laughs> I mean. You're always super animated. I, I yeah. <laughs> it's not a lie. I, when Archie and I went to Winchester Mystery House, he was driving and we pull off the freeway and we go onto the street that it's on. And he's like, oh, there it is. And he points out of his window and I look over and I'm like, holy shit. And I remember like smacking him in the arm and being like, oh my God, there it is. Archie, look, there it is. And he was like, ow. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Arch. Um, Yeah, so... I'm going to be, I'm going to be really excited. That was a fabulous history. Laura, thank you very much. Um, because I did, I forgot. Well, pretty much all of it. Okay. Except for Shawshank was filmed there. (laughs) I think I got that shit down. Listen, I know that. Let's talk about it. So the film opens. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Um, all right, cool. Well, you have painted enough of a picture, uh, that our listeners understand why it is so haunted. So I'm going to get into the hauntings of the Ohio State Reformatory here in just a second. As usual, guys, it's just going to be a blip of time to you, but I need to refill my wine and uh, we will be right back with the hauntings of Ohio State Reformatory. We'll be right back. (laughs) All right. Hi, guys. Welcome back. My sources for today's episode are destinationmansfield.com destination fear season three episode four also they are now known as project fear and they are launching a new channel on youtube because they got canceled by the travel channel so be sure to watch that in june uh ohiomagazine.com bbc.com mrps.com cantonrep.com a really cool article by um ed balint so those are my sources for today And so if you stand in front of Ohio State Reformatory today, uh, you might actually have a hard time believing that it was once a maximum security prison. Uh, As Laura described, it's it's meant to look like a gothic castle. I think when Archie did 
his part last time. I think he called it Richardsonian Romanesque. Um, <laughs> so it's actually, I, I remember thinking that's an actual architectural style. And apparently it is. And this is what Ohio State is. So um, it's got the intricate brickwork, stained glass windows, late 19th century building. It kind of looks more like a grand hotel that would host the rich and famous. Inside, however, is a vastly different story. <laughs> so when you walk through its long institutional hallways and you walk past the, the massive cells, they've got, you know, rusting barred doors. Uh, the bunks are dirty and sagging. I mean, 1990 was, as Laura said, about 30 some odd years ago. Um, so they're pretty gross by now. Uh, you might actually be able to recall the bleak and hopeless prison that was in 1994's The Shawshank Redemption with Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman. Um, but it's actually worse than that because the building has sat vacant for a vast majority of time since 1990 when it closed. 90, right, Laura? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So it's it sat kind of vacant over time. Now, we don't often get a lot of um, penitentiaries, prisons, jails that we cover on this show that have a motto. Uh, but this one does have one. And that motto is kill first, ask questions later. I love it. It sounds like a <laughs> fabulous place to go. Mm-hmm. First timers, man, you guys are fucking hardcore. Uh <laughs> So there's actually not an area in any part of the building, which is huge, where the people haven't experienced paranormal activity. Um, Footsteps are very common. Shadow people are seen. Audible voices, whispers are common. Physical interactions like being touched, having your hair pulled, being grabbed, scratched, happen often in this this place. Uh, Day or night, Laura, so... So there you have that. Uh, angry spirits are said to be locked inside of their cells. I think this is one. No, that's Juliet. You're sorry. That's Juliet. I was like, there's one. There's one shadow figure that was a, they believe is a prisoner that doesn't ever come outside of his cell. Um, so that's yeah, that's Juliet. Um, but as you mentioned, there was actually. I th- yeah, there was in solitary confinement. There was a guard that was killed, uh, and that was back in 1932. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So apparently, he still does his rounds, <laughs> and um, he's been known to jab people with his nightstick and Ooh. push guests. Hmm. Yeah. So the third floors of the administration wings are known for shadows and footsteps, but the activity there, I guess, is always changing. Um, Now, Greg Faketic, he is the lead paranormal investigator at the Ohio State Reformatory. In fact, he is the head of um, the group that's actually putting on the Parapsychon at the reformatory and has been for the last four years. So all of the emails that we get are from Greg Faketic about the con and, and all of that. Yeah. He says, quote, it seems that certain buildings are always haunted, prisons, hospitals, schools, and theaters. There's a lot of energy and a lot of emotion in those places. And there are people who believe that energy will stay there or that people will not leave there after they pass on. And I agree. Uh, As paranormal investigators, um, that essentially is our core belief. There's um, an episode of Bones believe it or not, where 
one of her interns, Oliver Wells, is describing how he believes that ghosts could be a thing. And he basically says that um, the first law of thermodynamics is that energy is not created nor destroyed. It simply changes form. So he believes that if a person dies with an abundance of this energy, it can be imprinted on its immediate surroundings. And therein is your ghost. And I believe that. I really do. Um, So it's not surprising that, you know, he's basically stating the same thing. And Mm -hmm. that there is an overabundance of spirits, as you were describing the conditions there, that might actually have been stuck there. Now, shadowy figures have been roaming the building and peeking around out of cor- um, around corners and out of cells. The sound of chains dropping to the floor, growling, which is never something I love. <laughs> it's never an awesome feeling. It's never an awesome feeling. Um, so growling footsteps and church bells have been heard in specific areas of the prison, while other uh, reports detail phantom smells, disembodied voices, and balls of light. Now, Greg Fiketic says that um, he's experienced paranormal events here firsthand. And he said that he's had his arms and his keys pulled on when no one is around. In fact, such happenings don't actually bother him anymore. It happens so often. Um And that's what he says, that it happens fairly often here. Quote, and it's like, oh, well, you just go on and you go on about your business. (laughs) You do your job. And I was like, I don't know. Like, I love the paranormal. I love to go on investigations. But I don't know as I want to that to be so commonplace in my everyday life. Like, I'm just like, yeah, that's them again, pulling my hair. You know what I mean? Like. Maybe. Yeah, I, I suppose know. with anything, you get desensitized to it, but it is kind of strange. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, so as you walk through the reformatory's corridors, you might believe you hear the clanking of cell doors and prisoners' cries as well. For believers, the former prison in the city of Mansfield, Ohio, is one of the most haunted spots in the United States. And that's been the belief and the claim and of people that have been there and experienced things that have also been to other locations. Like, I feel like that's legit. I would have to say this place based on experiences that I've heard about is probably in the top 10 in the country. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So it's a place where the ghosts of abused inmates and staff with heavy consciences roam the halls because the staff wasn't, you know, always on the straight and narrow. Um, so you can hear moving equipment, slamming doors. Um, even without the ghosts, though, the building's crumbling walls and peeling paint and cracked windows are enough to just be like, this is fucking creepy in here. Right. You got the perfect ambiance going on. You really do. You really, really do. So um, from actually Mansfield's website, um, and according to the Ohio State Reformatory staff themselves, Here are the eight most haunted sites in the reformatory. Uh, Number eight is the East Wing. Um, That houses the the bathrooms and the showers. Uh, This is on the first floor, uh, and they say that lately this area has actually been pretty good for experiences and evidence. Rarely do we have a night where nobody experiences at least a few shadow people down there. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why the bathroom is such a happening haunted place, but, you know, sure. Probably a lot of awful torture went on down there. 
um, the third floor, uh, the middle admin section. This is an area that gets to a lot of people. There's shadow people, audible voices, footsteps, and the feeling of not being alone is the norm. Cool. So where are we going to be when we're there? Where's we are on the east cell block. We're in the east cell block for the second floor. So we're going to be right there where all this is going on. <laughs> That's what you're telling me. Uh yeah yeah well um yeah yeah well okay the 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 bathrooms and the the bathroom hauntings is on the first floor we're on the second floor but um I do have stuff about that and it's mm-hmm. not but just in the general area okay as we're uh-huh. on the same cell block right okay That's we what I, thought. I just wanted to make sure so I know when I go to the bathroom and I see fucking <laughs> creepy shit then I know what to expect maybe bring a buddy. <laughs> because it doesn't sound like it's going to be a great time Um, (laughs) I had my hair pulled in the bathroom at at Ohio State I wonder how many therapists get that fucking like conversation bring an extra pair of pants yes (laughs) because it might pee myself in the bathroom yeah you might want to yeah pack like you're going on a week long vacation I guess (laughs) okay So, um, did you know it had a sub basement? There's a basement and then there's a sub basement. Um, Trans Allegheny has that. They have a sub basement and they have a basement basement. Um, (laughs) don't, yeah, don't, don't love the idea, but in the sub basement, this area has produced some pretty wild experiences and evidence, um, such as crazy EVPs, uh, weird light anomalies on video and apparently this area was even avoided when the building was still in operation by staff and um, prisoners because it was haunted even when it was still like an open functioning prison mm-hmm. but it's so old right like it wasn't like it was open for 20 years and then it closed in 90 and that was that on that no I mean we're talking it goes back I mean the grounds go back to the civil war yeah even before because wasn't it yeah even before so um of course every prison chapel is not a great place to be you think it would be but it's not ohio state reformatory is no different this area has made many skeptics less skeptical and i'm really hoping i can bring you into it um (laughs) lately (laughs) apparently the ghosts lately have been getting rather grabby in the chapel hmm Mm-hmm. Right? Is it priest? I mean, never mind. You know... <laughs> Too many jokes. Too many jokes. <laughs> Remember, Sorry. guys, she's the bad Catholic. Um, the only Catholic on the show, Am but I? apparently she was the bad... <laughs> Am I the bad Catholic? Really? <laughs> uh, right. You're right. That's true. Okay. Um, the West Attic... Uh, so on top of this place being just super creepy with a basement and a sub basement, it's also got an attic. Uh, so the, the site, the website, this cracked me up and I, I'm going to read it to you guys verbatim. It says, quote, let's just say a very well-known paranormal celebrity had an experience up there and refused to go back in. I'm not going to say who it was. I'll just say that he grabbed his scarf and walked out. Negative energies are felt deep in their stomachs. Shadow figures um, are also seen and people get their hair pulled. And there is also the sound of hearing men scream bloody murder in the West Attic. I wonder who that was. That paranormal celebrity grabbed his scarf and walked out. 
I don't, I can't picture anybody that might, like, that's just maybe known for wearing a scarf. I don't know. Mm. Um, they also have an administrative basement. And um, down there seems to be two different entities. One is nice, while the other is kind of a dick. So heads up there. Um, here, 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 okay, here, Laura, I, okay, I'll just, okay, I'll just say it. <clears throat> the east and west cell blocks, and we are in the east cell block. Okay. Um, the the site says I've seen these areas bring grown men to tears. Many murders and suicide took suicides took place in these areas, and the residual energy apparently is um, prevalent and not great. <clears throat> we didn't have a yeah. We didn't ha- actually have a choice on where our vendor booth is at. <laughs> like they were just like, "This is where you're gonna be." And so I didn't personally pick this. <laughs> I promise. Fucking lies. You probably would have had you gotten the opportunity. I don't know why you act like you were not excited about it. You would have been like, do you have anything uh, in the sub-basement? <laughs> I would have picked this I next. well enough to know. I mean, I would have picked Good this luck. next location. Mm-hmm. The hole. Uh. This uh, was the prison inside the prison. Um, many men took their own lives while housed in this area. Um, I'm going to go into a little bit more detail about the paranormal activity in the hole uh, here in just a minute. But um, you had mentioned the uh, warden and his wife and how she was accidentally shot when a gun fell off their closet shelf and, and hit her. Mm-hmm. Well, People often claim to smell her perfume in the administration area and smell Arthur's tobacco in multiple rooms throughout the prison. Um, One of the other things that I do remember from when we covered this location 150 episodes ago uh, (laughs) is you can hear in the warden's office, you can hear whispered conversations happening between a man and a woman, largely, I think largely believed to be Helen and Arthur. Oh, that's interesting. Isn't that cool? Mm-hmm. I so, remember when we did one jail, we could smell the cigarette smoke. Every so often, we would, oh, it would be like somebody was smoking right next to you. The really 1910 intensely. jail. Yeah, because yes. it wasn't like it was outside. There was no one outside. There was no... Yeah. There was no reason for there to be like such intense cigarette smoke smells. Well, and didn't one of the guests at that podcast event, did they either had asthma or something because they smelled it too and had to had to go outside because they couldn't breathe because of the smoke? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it was our it was our fan. Yeah. It was our friends and fans event. Um But yeah, that was really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So there might be a commonality with prisons. It might back be. back in the day. Right. And uh, I mean, it, it just says tobacco smoke. It doesn't say if it was, you know, cigar smoke, Cigars. which is very, very distinctive smell. Mm-hmm. Um, but so then the next thing I want to talk about is this article that was written by this Ed Belint for um, the CantonRep.com. He accompanied a paranormal group to do an investigation of Ohio State. Um, So he was talking about how there was a film crew there and the investigation team, and he was there writing for the paper. And um, he (laughs) 
they were walking through and I guess they got to a, a, a place in the prison where he wanted to take a picture of um, a bedroom that had been featured in the Shawshank Redemption. Mm-hmm. And as he took the picture, um, he heard a faint whisper in his ear asking, what are you doing? And nobody was there. Everything else was quiet. Um, he, you know, he got that chill goosebumps the whole bit, but, um, he, cause he had kind of fallen behind everybody else. Cause he was like, Oh, this is in the movie. You know, I'm going to get a picture. And he hears this whisper of what are you doing? <laughs> that's, hmm. that's, that's a good one. Yeah. I like that one. Yeah. Um, apparently, and this, I did not know. And I don't, I really don't think that we discussed it in the original episode, but um, there's a room in the prison called the Jesus room. And in it, uh, things happen like deep thudding noises, um, come from like the corner of the room that everybody heard with their own ears. And he was talking to a guy that was there and was asking him like, Hey, is, is this normal? Have you experienced this? And the guy, his name is Travis Webb said that, um, the Jesus room, it's this area adorned with a mural of Jesus. That's why they call it the Jesus room. And apparently it frequently attracts paranormal, supernatural happenings. Mm-hmm. So he said that it is common. So the group tried to um, replicate the thuds by banging on walls in the room. Um, they kind of checked everything out. They ruled out the possibility of somebody causing the noise by walking on an upper floor. Um Apparently, later, another person in the group was actually able to debunk this. So they have plywood, or at the time, they had plywood over some of the windows. And he said, quote, when the wind would hit this one piece of plywood just right, the board would swing out, bang into a metal pipe, then swing back, giving it the knocking effect that everybody heard. Oh, wow. Yeah. Right. Makes sense. Right. Yeah. And I wanted to include that. I could have just left it at, oh, it's weird thud thud noise going on in the room. But this is exactly the purpose of a paranormal investigator. This is exactly what we try to do. We try to find the source of it. And they did in this particular case. Um, The next one, however, not as debunkable, I guess. Um, So there was a guy on the group that this, this, author had investigated with that in his a previous experience he had he saw furniture inexplicably move so he said that there were seats over on this one wall in the jesus room um and they're like four seat seats i don't know if they're like like movie theater seats where they like are on a spring and you have to like push them down to sit and then when you stand up they fling back up um but the seats decided to lift up, um, slide two feet forward, and then slam to the ground. Now, that is very hard to pin on wind outside right, like the massive stone <laughs> building, right? Um, because, I, and I don't, he didn't say what the seats were made of, anything like that. But if nobody is there, nobody's around them, and you just happen to see four connected seats lift up, rise two feet, 
or move two feet forward and then drop onto the ground. That's really remarkable. Yeah. Yeah. So um, after um, they left the room, he had another strange occurrence happen to him. So they went into another section of the building and he was right behind one of the lead investigators. Um, A few steps um, later, the investigator, this Travis Webb, froze immediately. Like as he was walking, he just stopped walking and he froze. And he said that a pebble struck his leg. Um, He did tell the, the author that pebbles being thrown in this particular area was very common. And... So the author was like, well, could the pebble have been kicked up by walking? Um, But the guy ruled that out given the trajectory of the object. So a few minutes later and without warning, it happened again, but to the author this time. And he was startled and he was kind of amused because the pebble-like object struck him in the back of the neck, leaving a stinging sensation. So as getting hit with a rock does <laughs> a little bit. Yes. Um, you and I are walking through Ohio state. I'm throwing rocks at you. Did you feel that? Did you feel that? Did you... <laughs> um, so the author turned around to look to see what maybe somebody behind him kicked the rock. There was no one behind him. He was the last in the line. So he looked, he looked up. It didn't appear as if the stone or the concrete fragment could have fallen from in this section was a smooth flat ceiling. Um, so this other person pointed to where it ricocheted against the floor. Um, so it, they couldn't figure out where this, what this could possibly have happened because I, I, when you're walking and you're walking on like a gravelly surface or a surface that has rocks or whatever, if you kick a rock, which everybody's done, be it intentionally kick a rock or just accidentally with the step of your foot you're not kicking it in such a way that it's going to fly up off the ground and hit someone in the neck that just unless you actually drop the rock and then like drop kick it into the person's neck yeah if you did that plus you would hear i mean you could i mean do it maybe if it was deep enough you know kind of get underneath it but still like you would be able to hear that it'd be such a big commotion behind you right your foot like the foot like scraping on the ground or like whatever yeah there'd be something yeah yeah it's interesting to say the least Mm -hmm. so he was talking about it to this other female investigator in the group and she had actually told him about a story from a visit to the prison with her family um the her family felt like weirdness in the air and they were finding it difficult to breathe in the prison she didn't feel anything um so she called out the spirit world in defiance guys don't do this don't do this um so what happened was she said quote i'm like this is bs i'm not feeling anything and she goes on to say quote and when i said that i had a sharp pain in the back of my skull it felt bad enough that i doubled over i described it like a ball bat hitting the back of my head it didn't knock me out but it felt like it could have don't (laughs) careful what you fucking wish for don't do this you guys seriously um or, I mean, if you want them, if you want to say something like, hey, I'm not feeling anything, like, you know, can you, 
make a noise? Can you, you know, whatever, but don't be so aggressive. Certainly not in a fucking violent penitentiary. Um, otherwise, you know, like what? Uh, or do, but yeah. I mean, just don't do Watch it around me. Right. right. Wait till I'm on the other side of the penitentiary. <laughs> like, uh-uh. um, so the West attic, like I mentioned earlier, it embodies this ghostly aura. And Greg Faketic, um said that the origins of the cavernous area where inmates from a penitentiary had temporarily been housed decades prior because of a fire at the other institution, this is where they were kept. Um, they were your, he said, quote, they were your felons, your murderers, your rapists, and that's where they housed them. He goes on to say, and there were no cells. It was basically just beds lined up and down the wall. Sure, let's not put the dangerous felons in a cell. Um, and so he believes that's why the place is so active, because it was really violent up there. Now... Naomi Jacobson, who is a volunteer at Ohio State Reformatory, said she was once eerily touched by what felt like fingers that she couldn't see in the West Attic. Um, She says, quote, I felt hands that started right here, pointing to her shoulder area. And then it slowly went down her spine toward her lower back and then wrapped around her body. Mm-mm. Nice. Mm, no, 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 no. Uh, she goes on to say, and I was like, oh. And the feeling I got was, I don't care if you're dead or alive or what. I'm out of here. She's like, so I left. I I have had spirits touch me only on the face. Um, that's very uncomfortable. When there's a hand on, on the face, yeah. When there's all. a hand on your face, and you know there is nothing behind you, it's very uncomfortable. I can't imagine being touched. That's something that I feel is just sort of intimate. Like start on my shoulder, run your hand down my back to my lower back, and then uh, mm. unless you're my boyfriend, don't fucking touch me like that. <laughs> No, getting frisky, gross with a ghost of a violent prisoner. Thank you. No, thank you. So um, (laughs) other tours have actually gotten even weirder. Um, An acquaintance um, of Greg Faketics said that um, he had provoked spirits and then felt a burning sensation on his back before he was scratched in the same spot by an otherworldly presence. Um... Hi, Zane. (laughs) Zane loves to make an appearance on the show. So, hi, Zane. Um, So, again, these are inmates, criminals. And when you are coming up here into their home and you're challenging them, they're not going to back down. You might as well be going into a prison with living prisoners. Like, why would you do that? No. Mm -mm. Mm-mm. No. So, um... Again, in the West Attic, um, somebody was sitting alone in the chairs at one end of the room. And um, they saw what they described as a stick-like figure emanating light and moving from left to right and then toward them. And the person thought it was actually a hallucination because your eyes can play tricks on you in the dark, right? But the person she was with saw the same thing. So... 
unless it's you know you, you both took the same drugs i don't I, that's kind of <laughs> hard to um that's kind of hard to to do i know there's that what is that folia do that mm-hmm. like people have that same shared delusion or whatever mm-hmm. but i don't think that exactly yeah i don't think that's something that happens in a paranormal investigation although maybe it maybe it does if you guys have had that happen message us let us know um so they go, went on to say that in all the places we've been, this was the most convincing thing that I've ever experienced. So now in the East Cell Block, which is ours, uh, like you said, this holds the Guinness World Record for the world's largest freestanding cell block to this day. Uh, it stands six tiers and it houses 600 cells and this cell block held the worst inmates. Here, cell doors slam shut, apparitions appear, and just as quickly as they appear, they vanish. Now, it's important to note, Laura, that there's east cell block and then there's east diagonal, and we're on east diagonal. So we're not in, yeah, so we're on the offshoot of this cell block, but they were all housed in the same area. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about the infirmary. As you might expect, a large number of inmates passed away in the prison infirmary over the years. Some have died from illnesses, disease, um, but other others died from injuries sustained during torture or thanks to beating um, beatings from guards or fellow inmates. Now, there are claims that it was very common for patients in the infirmary to go for days without any care from medical staff. A lot of them were neglected. Many starved to death because they were too weak to fight off other patients stealing their food and because there was no supervision from staff. Right. right? So. Um, It's not at all surprising that there were a lot of reports of paranormal activity here. Most commonly, unexplained gusts of wind and disembodied moaning as if you're in pain. Right? Sounds like they have gas. Listen, (laughs) maybe that's all it was. Maybe that's all it was. Maybe they just needed a little gas (laughs) X. Now, the library is another um, location that's said to be haunted, but not by a former inmate. Apparently... Um, psychics and through evidence collected during investigations that suggests that the spirit that's in the library is actually that of a young woman by the name of also Helen Um, records indicate that this could be the ghost of a former prison nurse who was murdered by inmates plural many years ago yeah I just don't you know blah 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 solitary confinement this is where that guard frank hanger was murdered um and right. people have felt the rush of some people running past them in this area like that wind you get when someone flies by you uh-huh. um they hear fights happening and women feel being touched all over their bodies yeah <clears throat> yeah yeah um the basement we covered the sub basement this is just the mm-hmm. basement basement um it's said to be home to one particular spirit <clears throat> excuse me which is not great This one is of a 14-year-old boy who was allegedly beaten to death down there. He's seen lingering in the shadows of the basement with some frequency. On some occasions, there have also been reports of a guard in the basement, too. And he has said to give off very sinister vibes, suggesting that he is one of the many malevolent ghosts that are said to haunt Mansfield Reformatory. We might be getting ourselves into a fucking world of shit going to this con laura i I mean luckily we'll be in good company so i mean we'll be together we'll be together so there's there's that um now the hole the hole is located in the basement not the sub-basement but the basement basement of ohio state reformatory and it was considered to be the ultimate punishment for disobedient inmates 
The small cells in the hole were completely barren and, like you mentioned, infested with rats and cockroaches. <gasps> I can barely deal with frogs. So, <laughs> when places in the hole... Uh, um, the whole prisoners were when they were cut off from others they were also deprived um of light which is a common thing in these penitentiaries right there mm-hmm. i think eastern state one guy was down in the hole for 17 years and he went blind so here a lot of the inmates ended up taking their own lives because they just went nuts mm-hmm. so Exactly, yeah. There are 20 tiny cells in the hole, and it's considered to be one of the most creepy areas of the entire prison. I do hope we get to see it, however. (laughs) So those who have ventured down there have described many negative experiences, including sudden bouts of nausea, chills, and a general uneasiness like they're being watched from the shadows. Uh, Others have heard deranged babbling. I can't think of anything scarier. disembodied moans and other unpleasant sounds so make of of that what you're gonna um (laughs) this section is not for the faint of heart that's for sure now all those these areas mentioned are considered to be among the most haunted spots in the prison there is activity throughout all of the buildings and the grounds there have been reports of things moving in the graveyard and the west attic has sent even the most hardened of paranormal investigators running Now, the cell block was haunted even before the prison was closed, and many of the inmates say would claim that a lady would come into their locked cells and tuck in their blankets at night. That's kind of sweet. Could it be? I mean, well, maybe they thought so. Could it be the nurse from the library? I I don't know if she would do that. She was murdered by inmates. I surely wouldn't do that if a bunch of prisoners killed me, go around, tuck him in bed. Um... So there is rarely a tour that passes without reports of shadow people, disembodied voices, phantom footsteps, and other strange sounds like cell doors slamming shut. So um, that's Ohio State Reformatory, guys. I do want to say that walking through these bleak cell blocks with um, somebody who uh, once lived there is a powerful reminder of the building's past because a lot of um, their guides are former inmates. Which I love when prisons do that. I love it. Circle or guards, yeah. Yes, like, yeah. They have a completely different take on it. Which is really they absolutely do. Yeah. So walking through this prison with one of them um, is a powerful reminder of the past. Uh, but now, when the darkness and the whispers of restless spirits become too much, visitors can do what the prisoners could not, which is stroll right out the front doors. Now. Um, if you are interested in touring the Ohio State Reformatory, you absolutely can. Their website is mrps.org. They are located at 100 Reformatory Road. It's so big it got its own street uh, in Mansfield, Ohio. If you have any questions you want to call about ticket prices or the con next weekend, you can call them at 419-522-2644, or you can email them at info at mrps.org. There is still time to get tickets to Parasycon 4. Just visit parasycon.com, and we will see you next week. We sure will. Yes. Oh, I'm excited. Laura, I'm excited. I'm also a little nervous. I really do think we've, we, we've, I might have gotten us into a bit of a, a thing. Yeah, right. like you always do. All right. Listen, we're going to be there with hundreds of other people. We should be okay. Uh, it'll be fine. Mm-hmm.
totally fine. Be able to pee the entire weekend, it's fine. <laughs> We're gonna we'll have we'll have Aaron run our booth and be like, well, we've got to go buy more underwear. We didn't pack enough. Uh, we've been peeing all all weekend. <laughs> Um, so yeah, come on out and see us guys and, and entertain this stupid conversation. Um, we've got a lot of stuff. We've got pint glasses for you to buy, wine glasses for you to buy, uh, coffee mugs. We've got, uh, six different kinds of stickers that you can buy $3 each or four for 10. We also have koozies and drawstring bags and all kinds of stuff. Come on now, be a part of the show. Guys, come tell us about your creepiest personal paranormal story you'll be entered in um to win the complete set of andrea perrin's books house of darkness house of light the full three volume set will be autographed personally to you by the lovely miss andrea perrin who will be there too by the way so you can go out and meet her check everything out she's going to be doing a um i think two panels i'm not entirely sure but uh, the Ghost Brothers are going to be there. And Dave Schrader is going to be there. Uh, Shade Pittman is going to be there. Like, there's so many, like, paranormal celebrities that are going to be at this convention with us lowly idiots next weekend. I can't even wrap my brain around it. So we've got, um, we're creating a really fun booth for you guys. So we hope you pop by and say hello. Um, like I said, tickets are still available and they do ask you to bring one non-perishable food item and one, um, pet supply item because they're going to be donating those to a local shelter and a local food bank. So be sure to bring that. And, um, we will see you at, uh, the Paris Icon 4 at Ohio State Reformatory next weekend. For the next two weekends, guys, it's going to be the Laura show. Uh... Do you want to tell them what we're going to be doing for the next? It's a two-parter, guys. A two-part uh, series, episode, slash, whatever. It's two parts. Do you want to tell them? Um, sure, I suppose. Uh, we're going to be indulging my... Um, not ob- obsession is not the right word. Fascination with H.H. Um, Holmes. And we're going to be talking about him and his life and all the crazy shit that he did and his possible connection to Jack the Ripper. Yeah, yeah. Super exciting. Uh, like I said, it's a two-part um, episode. So the first week, we're going to tell you all about H.H. H. Holmes and his crazy brand of murderous wackadoo. And then the second part is going to be released the following week where we sit down with uh, his great-great-grandson, Jeff Mudgett. We are very excited for that one. We're actually going to be sitting down talking with Jeff um, in about an hour after this recording is done. Um, so yeah, we're, we're excited for that. Uh, lots of, of big doings happening for your tiny little history of a haunting podcast. So we're going to go get ready for our interview with Jeff Mudgett. And um, we thank you guys very much, Laura. Why don't you tell them where they can follow us? Because we're going to be blowing up social media next weekend. It's going to be nuts. You guys are probably going to silence us because we're going to have so much going on. Where can they follow us? You can follow us if you so choose. After um, that. <laughs> right after that lovely <laughs> intro. Um, we're on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at HOAH Podcast. And speaking of the TikTok, our personal TikToks are at HOAH Carrie and at HOAH co-host Laura. Yeah. Yeah. 
We're excited. Right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. And um, we got to run because we've got ooh, a really cool person to sit down and talk to. So uh, until next week, when we do a little bit of true crimey here, uh, stay safe out there because you never know who or what is listening or going to run their dead prison fingers down your back. I hope it happens to Laura. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Bye guys.